All right, so we just finished reading John chapter 3, 22 through 36. Thank you so much, Blair. Um, so what we've seen in this passage of Scripture as we continue on is we see that Nicodemus has gone home, uh, and Jesus has, and his disciples are now going out to the countryside. So I actually have a, um, a little map here that I have um, I have made. So we've got the Jordan River. So we have Jesus is from Nazareth, right? And he went up to a wedding here in Capernaum. And then he went back to Nazareth. And then when Passover came, he went down here to Jerusalem. And then um, it wasn't on this map where uh, John was baptizing at, but this is roughly the spot. Um, so it's it's well above, it's like halfway between Jerusalem and Nazareth on the Jordan River um, that Jesus is is at here and where John is at. And so this is the where we're at. So, I mean, again, remember, from Nazareth to Jerusalem is about how far, Xavier? Five miles. Not five miles. I don't remember that distance. Yeah, and that would be from about here to there yeah. is five miles. So it's about 30 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem, yeah, yeah. 25 miles. Yeah. And, uh, and so Jesus is here and, and, uh, on the Jordan River, and he's baptizing. And um, the, what, we, what we have is, is we have, a, uh, what we see here is a discussion begins amongst whom? As, we, as Mommy was reading, we saw that a discussion starts between? John and his disciples, or who? I know Jews. John's disciples, John's and, disciples the and the Jews about purifying. The Jews, not the Jews, it's the Jews. Or a Jew, yeah. Or a Jew, yeah. So, um, so we've got John's disciples. Yeah. They're having a conversation with a Jewish man about purification. Um, there's a few things that we can get from that because, I mean, that's not the main thrust of this. Um, when we normally speak about or we read about this passage of scripture, not to say that nobody's ever talked about this before, but the fact is, is that what we seem to forget is we so highly esteem teachers that we sometimes think that they're the only ones that can have outside discussions mm -hmm. about things that we learn. And what we see, that's the beauty of what I, I see in this passage of scripture, is that in verse 25, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. I think that's important for us, especially when we're 12 years old. I know, but you're going to be 12 soon, especially when we're about 12 years old, is, is that we think the only person that can do all the talking is the leader or the teacher or the parent. And the reality is, and, and that sometimes is true, right? Because we can't always interrupt people when they're talking or having a discussion, right? And we can't do that as old people. You know, mommy and I can't do that either. Um, but does that mean that you can't have a voice as a 12-year-old child? No, of course you can speak. And so that's what, and I'm not saying John's disciples are 12 years old. They're definitely men. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is they are having this discussion. And so there's a few things that I see. So John's disciples, the disciples, the students, not the leader are having the discussion. What are they discussing? They're discussing what they are discovering and or learning or what they have already come to understand themselves. Yeah. They are... Um, they have the authority of John to do this. Like they're speaking on behalf of their master. Yeah. 
So that's why it says John's disciples, right? We see the authority is given to John. We aren't given individual names. John is the leader, but it's his students that are giving the discussion. And so they are a representation of their master, right? Uh, the students also carry a portion of the master's responsibility, especially when they start speaking about what's going on, uh, what the teacher has taught them or what their master has taught them. Um, so they are now taking on a responsibility for making sure that that discussion goes forward out into society or out into the community. And, um, and, and another thing that I noticed is, is that the discussion's not a heated discussion. Like it could be one where like their voices are elevated, but nobody's angry because we don't see anything about any kind of anger being talked about here. We just say, it just says they're having a discussion and, 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 and then they are distracted, right? They're almost immediately distracted. So I have a takeaway from this and, and I just want you to, to, to kind of give any input, um, that you can. This is my takeaway from the disciples talking, John's disciples talking with a Jewish man about purification. And this is the takeaway specifically for us. So you and I have a master and we are his disciples. We are his representatives wherever we go and in whatever we do. We carry with us a responsibility to represent him, his life, and to be like him. Yeah. So my question is, is how do we accomplish this? We study under him, our master. We read the Bible, we pray, we have a conversation, ask him our questions. And that grows us deeper to be more like him because you usually, you're, the person you look up to, your teacher, especially then is the person you want to follow after, the person you want to be like. But you'll be yourself, but have their teaching guiding you and that's who you want to be as a person. And so with that, if we pray and read the Bible and all that other stuff, following and growing deeper in Christ, that's how we get to the point where we're stronger in our faith and able to answer more questions. But if we still aren't able to answer a question, which I find admirable about these guys, is that they didn't try and answer it themselves. They knew they couldn't answer the question. So they went over and asked John, Hey, John, a we were having a conversation with some other people, and this question came up, and we didn't know how to answer it. So you answer it for us. Meaning they weren't too afraid to ask for help. Okay. You have any uh, input on how do we live this out, this, this takeaway that I gave that uh, we have a master, we're his disciples, we're his representatives, and we carry his, uh, with us a responsibility to represent him, mm -hmm. his life, and to, and to be like him. Uh, well, along with what? Zane was saying, if we're not putting our own effort into it, mm -hmm. we're never gonna we're never gonna believe it truly. Mm. So like if we're not studying, if we're not, you know, continuously looking up scriptures or even praying or even discerning from the Holy Spirit yeah. of, of what of what this means, what does this life mean? What does you know, what does the scriptures mean? If we're not putting our own thought into that, and we're only sitting underneath a teacher going, oh, put your wisdom on me. <laughs> and we're listening to that teacher over and over and over, but we're developing the teacher's thoughts, not our own thoughts. Therefore, we have no buy-in. Yeah. Oh, buy-in, yeah, that's huge, right? We don't. Right. And 
you sure. have to put forth the effort. Right. So along with those lines, like yeah. Peter was saying already, I mean, I totally but, completely agree, but that individual has to. Otherwise, you're going to be all mm-hmm. over the spectrum, mm-hmm. still yeah. searching, yeah. going, sure. well, maybe this is what I'm to believe. Well, maybe that's what I'm to believe. Well, maybe this is what I'm to believe, instead of just developing who, who are you and who are you in Christ. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well, is that you said we're, suppo- we're supposed to be growing closer to God, but people think that the pastors or religious leaders are the people who are closest to God, and so they have to be exactly like the pastor is, and that's not the, what we're saying, what is said. It's said we have to be like Jesus, not like a human being. Right, right. Because humans are not always spotless, sinless things as we're, Jesus was and that's who we want to try and replicate our lives after, not a person who goes up in their skinny jeans and fancy blazers <laughs> up on stage. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I, and I was also thinking, uh, uh, we were talking, we, we mentioned the Bible, but we didn't mention anybody else's writings because aren't there other people that are also pointing yes. to Jesus that we can also, uh, he's our ultimate yeah. master, we but like the disciples, they're, these John's disciples, they're discussing with the Jewish man. So they are all giving input. So like if it was the four of us going and discussing with one other person, um, Xavier's giving input from what he heard. Uh, Blair's giving input from what she heard. Mallory from what she heard. I'm giving input from what I've come to understand. And, 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 and so we're also learning from each other, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so aren't there people that have come before us also? Like we don't only have to read the Bible in order to grow in our faith. We can also read other literature. For example, uh, right now I'm reading the city of God by St. Augustine of Hippo. And I mean, the amount of wisdom that he had in the third century, I mean, we're talking almost 2000 years ago, this yeah. writings, these writings also came about and, and, uh, the wisdom that he gives or, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas or, yeah. or, um, there's just so many others out there that we can also study. Uh, um, I know Definitely. this morning, Blair, you were listening to Timothy Keller and, and the wisdom that he, he gives and, and. Together, we're all pointing to a specific person, and that person is not ourselves, and it's not these other teachers that I'm yeah. mentioning right now, but the person that we're all looking to is is Jesus. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the second thing that I noticed in this passage of Scripture is there's a distraction that happens. Uh, so we see that now a discussion arose in verse 25 between uh, some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and they said to him, hey, rabbi, uh, I put the hey in there. Sorry, it just says rabbi. Rabbi, teacher, he who was with you across the Jordan, back in John chapter one, we read about that. Uh, uh, he was across from you in the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all the people are going to him. So, I mean, they're completely distracted here. And they're like, whoa, there, there, there's this guy, you, you baptized him. And we know there was a big scene that happened there at the end of John chapter one. And, 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 and like, like we heard this voice that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like we saw a dove come down from heaven and, 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 and light on top of him. And we know all those things, but like, He's taken business away from us. 
Like, I mean, that, that's kind of how they feel. Like their egos are kind of bruised a little bit. This, this, this man, this Jesus has come to the Jordan River and they were having this discussion. They saw people going over there. They said, what's the commotion going on? And they saw it was Jesus. And I think that this is so fast, or this is so fascinating to me because this is a, 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 um, something that goes on so often in life. Mm-hmm. Um, we have distractions that come along. Yeah. And the distractions can be both for the good mm-hmm. and the distractions can be for the bad. Now in this situation, and what I wanna talk about here is, is these are all good distract. This is a good distraction because what John does with this distraction is, is he then lifts Jesus up or he exalts Jesus. I mean, look at the words that he says. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Like John is teaching and he's imparting such wisdom on his disciples here. And in the moment that he's doing this, it, the, 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 notice where the, um, the, the situation or the uh, emphasis of what we started this passage of scripture out with it was on purification. Mm-hmm. And now that was actually the distraction, the purification rites, the purification, the purifying of somebody's body in order to make them ready for salvation. That's not what the purification really is. Purification comes alone in Christ, which is what we see at the end of this chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's where the purification comes from. And so what John does is he vividly points to Jesus and said, says, this is what life is all about. We can discuss purification rites. We can discuss the purification of our bodies. We can discuss the washing of our hands. We can discuss all these other things. And those are good because we do need to do those things. Yes. However, the person of Jesus is the ultimate. He is above everything. I mean, notice those. He who comes from heaven is above all, he says in verse 31. I mean, he's giving this acc- these accolades, this exaltation. He's extolling Jesus higher than anything else in this moment. And I find that so fascinating because John's not the only one to have done that throughout scripture. Abel did it. Remember Cain and Abel in Genesis? Abel did it. He brought his sacrifice and it was counted to him as righteousness because he was exalting God. Moses exalts God. Abraham, Samuel, David, Isaiah, Joel, we can continue to look at people throughout all of the Old Testament and we can see that their faith and their hope was not in themselves or in their own righteousness, but they were looking forward to the one who was yet to come. And that person is Jesus. The advantage that John had is that John's looking at him across the river. Mm-hmm. The other ones are looking at Jesus through the, um, the hope that has been given them as a seal of their future eternal life. And they're doing that through a promise that they were maybe given verbally by God or a promise that God gave them that just burned within their hearts. Yeah the same kind of vision that you and I have received because have we seen Jesus face to face? No. I, I know I haven't, but I've definitely met with him. 
And I know that sounds super spiritual, but it's the truth. Like I have met with Jesus and I have had conversations with him. Though I've not yet laid my eyes on his face, I have still seen him. And, um, and that's the promise that we're given. Uh, and of course, if you wanna read more about more people that trusted in Jesus, and, and even Blair and I were talking about this the other day, Hebrews chapter 11, all of these great men and women of God who looked to Jesus and they are proven to be for all eternity with him because of their faith in the one who was yet to come. And that's what Hebrews 11, 39 and 40 concludes with. And it says this, and all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, together, perfection is coming. Perfection doesn't come to the individual. Perfection comes to the whole. And Jesus didn't come only to redeem Xavier. No. Jesus didn't come to only redeem Matt. Jesus didn't come to only redeem Blair or Mallory or anybody that's listening to our audio, audio recording right now. Jesus came to redeem the world. And so this distraction leads to life, understanding truth and to Jesus. And I find that so important because we have, I, I find another portion of scripture where there was another distraction that points to Jesus and maybe you've thought of one as well. Um, but the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, his name, he's going by Saul at this time in Acts chapter nine. And he is um, going through and he's killing people that are a part of what was Christians were called at this time. They're called the way. And he's going through and he's killing people that are, that are followers of Jesus as a part of the way. And he believes with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength that he is doing what is righteous, what is holy, what is godly. He sees himself as the perfect human being. And he's going through and he's on his way to Damascus. And what happens? He's blinded. He's blinded. He hears the voice of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord. Why are, you me? Why are you persecuting me? The people that are with him, they don't quite hear. They 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 hear the voice, but uh, they don't quite hear the voice. But they see this light, and and they can't see Paul. And they're like, "What's going on here?" Like they're all distracted, and yet Paul is the one who is completely enveloped in this distraction. And what is the result of this distraction that comes to Paul? His faith in Christ. His, His faith, in Christ. faith in Christ. Repentance. Mm -hmm. He receives salvation. Yeah. A distraction from his duty that he was on his way to Damascus to kill some people. And yet the distraction comes and it leads him to eternal life. Yeah. I, I can think of my own life when I was younger. I, I, uh, you know, societally wise, I was today, I was a child because I was 15 years old. But you know, if we're going to talk through the centuries, 15 years old, I'm technically a man at that point, right? But as a young man, 15 years old, I was on my way to uh, uh, running from house to house. I didn't have a specific place that I lived. Um, I, I, I would be at a friend's house. I'd be at my grandparents' house. I'd be at uh, uh, an uncle's house. Uh, I'd, 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 I just, I jumped around all these different places because I didn't really have a place that I could um, um, settled down. My dad had moved to Tennessee. My mom was in Florida. Things were going bad at my mom's house. And 
I had uh, at my mom's house or at any of these other houses that I went to, I had refrigerators full of alcohol, beer, there were alcohol cabinets, there was drugs within the neighborhoods, there were people that were going to parties, there was drug, there was guns, there were all these different things that could have been the pathway that I went down, but a distraction came and then and, and a voice that appeared to me one day in a gym, gymnasium where there was nobody else around and God spoke to me. And that distraction removed all those other temptations and set my feet on, a, on the rock, Jesus, and allowed me and afforded me an opportunity to have eternal life. And so are there any other distractions that you can think of that are positive distractions? Maybe it's your own personal life. Maybe it's something from scripture. Maybe it's a biographical uh, book that you've read or something like that. Is there any other distractions that you can think of that are in the positive? Because what we have here is we have Christ being pointed to and us being drawn unto him. Well, right now I'm reading The Hiding Place. And I know this is awful what the Nazis did, but technically that was a distraction for her and her family, specifically her, whenever she was in the concentration camps. Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. And she learned that we need to spread God's love through any situation, anything like that. And that was a distraction, being carried away from your family and everything like that. But she still grew closer to God, even in this awful hell of a place. Yeah. At that time. This hell on earth. Hell on earth. Absolutely. Is there anything else? So, I mean, these distractions come along, but what... What, what we see is we see uh, John the Baptist making a proclamation instead. And uh, I think this is apropos to us today. Um, and th- this is basically, uh, I'm just kind of breaking it down for a proclamation that I, Matt Rolance, want to make. And that is, I'm not the Christ. John says that. I say that. I am not the answer. I am not the Christ. I am not the bridegroom. I'm a part of the bride. John was part of the bride. He was the friend of the bride. Uh, uh, I, uh, he was a friend of the bridegroom. I am not the bridegroom. I must decrease. My ego rears its head up every single day. I desire to do things greater than I did yesterday. And I desire for my name to be put into newspapers or in newsreels or in uh, YouTube videos or whatever. And yet that is not what I'm called to do. I'm called to decrease. Uh, I also see that Jesus is above all. Jesus must increase. His name is the one that I want to see proclaimed. His name is the one that has got to be in the newspaper. His name is the one that's got to be on the YouTube videos. His name is that one that's got to be on my Instagram. His name is the one that I want to see proclaimed. He must increase. I recognize and I proclaim that people who receive Jesus, they receive God. Not people that receive me, not people that receive my family. And this is a difficult one also because we want to be accepted by people and it hurts our feelings when people don't want to be around us or when they push us to the side or when they uh, uh, use our photo, you know, they want to take a selfie in order to promote themselves and not, uh, and they're using us as that instrument. Uh, that's not what we, we, we want to proclaim, that Jesus is the one that receives 
all glory and we, uh, and as a result, the people will receive God. People who then receive Jesus, they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. They'll receive the Spirit and they'll receive him without measure. In other words, he will be, uh, the Spirit of God will overflow in their lives in such a great measure that the family will be touched, their families will be touched by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we see that in verse 34, John making that proclamation. I make it today. I receive eternal life for my belief in Jesus. And I obey Jesus. These are my proclamations. So what does this look like in our today's lockdown situation? How can... What, what do these proclamations do if we're just stuck within the four walls of our house? How can we make these proclamations within our community? How? I mean, I have some ideas, but what do you guys think? Well, you're allowed to walk at night. We're allowed to walk at four till six. From four till six, go out. So we can do anything within that time. Yeah, yeah. As long as we maintain social distancing. Yeah, as long as we maintain social distancing. <laughs> so that's what I have. I have, uh, I smile. Yeah. That's to quote Kirk Franklin's song, I smile. Mm-hmm. Right? I have joy. And the joy that God gives me disperses fear. The joy that I have is, is, uh, is to not be afraid. The joy I have is to be more than a conqueror, that though everything seems like it's on hold or everything seems like um, um, there's no way the future is going to actually happen in the time frame or realm that I thought of possibility, and instead of giving up on what the God-given dreams are that I've been given, I look to him and I have joy. Another thing, uh, this is something that, that Blair has done so well this week, uh, I believe, is, is to bring help, help to others. Um, the Bible tells us to help widows and orphans. Um, I've added on mine uh, uh, to also, we've got to help people even if they're stupid. That's the Matt Rolance in me. Because it's, it's like some people have just done some really stupid things. And does that mean that we can't help them? I say, yes, it means we can't help them. But the reality is, is I'm wrong whenever I make that proclamation. The truth is, is if my proclamation is, is that I must decrease and he must increase, then I must also, like Blair, okay, they made a mistake, but you know what? They still need food. Okay, this person made a mistake, but you know what? This person still needs supplies. Mm -hmm. And so what can we do to help them? So I help in this lockdown situation. Another thing that I can do is I can meditate. I meditate on God's word. I contemplate and, 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 and bring myself into obedience with his truth. And as I study the word of God or study some of his saints that have gone on before us, I see their obedience and it draws me into a closer relationship with him so that that way I will be a more obedient man of God. Yeah. And the last one that I have is I rest. Why in the world are we so interested in busying ourselves? Remember, we talked about distractions and point number two. And the distractions that I see coming that are 
absolutely frustrating me is the distractions of people wanting to do more meetings. Hey, we can Zoom now, so let's Zoom. Hey, let's email more. Hey, I don't have all of this load of work that I had to do two weeks ago, and so I'm gonna make myself just as busy today as I was before lockdown even happened. Mm -hmm. But what if God's just calling us to rest? What if he is actually just calling us to listen to who we really are? Mm -hmm. What if he's calling us to uh, because what we've done in the past before lockdown happened is we've busied ourselves so much that we have ignored who we really are as a person. And we've filled ourselves with other people and what they think about us. And that's what we've come to associate our identity as, is what other people see us as. And what if this is a purifying of us and our hearts in order to see who we really are on the inside? It doesn't make it easy because sometimes whenever it's completely quiet and we don't hear cars running around and here at our flat, we don't hear the construction going on and, and it's so quiet and we actually hear birds chirping. And I mean, I saw the video of the big, huge deer running through sector 10 that had the big, huge antlers on them. I mean, it's like, I am legend, the movie. And, and in those moments of this serenity of complete quietness, our mind starts to scream at us you're a fake. You're a phony. You really say that you're a child of God, but yet you aren't. And our brain totally dis, uh, just destroys who we really think we are because what we've done is we've allowed other people to identify who we are and we've listened to them for so long and we've stopped listening to ourselves. And so in our rest, we can find the fullness of who we really are. And in that rest, we can discover, because if we've been meditating, we've discovered already the fullness of Jesus, who Jesus is. And in those moments, we can allow the fullness of who Christ Jesus is to meet the fullness of who we are and to allow us to be with him without any other distractions, but let him be our distraction just like he is the distraction of John's disciples, just as he was the distraction to the Apostle Paul, just as he was my distraction when I first came to salvation in Christ Jesus at 15 years of age. Let's let him be our distraction today. Let him increase and we decrease. Am I missing anything? No. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness and for how awesome you are to us. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to be real in our lives. You are alive. You are true. You are here with us. Let us put all of the distractions aside, the TV, the video games, the uh, the, the, the wandering of our mind to, to uh, hate on ourselves. And instead, let us discover who you are in greater measure and as a result, discover who we are in greater measure. May you increase today, Lord Jesus, and may we decrease. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Yeshu kanam simantahe. Amen.